Welcome everybody back to the Domcast, and surprisingly, Christmas Day was not ass in the NBA. I know we came into it saying it's just going to be the worst, which, no, it, it actually was not the worst. Last year's Christmas Day, I can objectively say was worse. All the blowouts and no crowd, that was definitely more miserable of a watch. The games actually turned out good. There was no Trey Young. Knicks fans decided to still chant fuck Trey Young as he was eating ice cream in a room that he could not leave. So the hatred is truly at a different level. Celtics and Bucks went down to the wire, and uh, we don't have to talk about that. The Lakers uh, somehow uh, almost won the game against the Nets after being down 20 to James Harden and the B team. So that, that's always uh, that's always fun. That's something that I don't think any of us are really that surprised by at this point. And then the, the one before that, yeah, Warriors and Suns watching Automatic Porter take over a game. Oof, that is not a great look for the Phoenix Suns, who probably going to have to go through the Warriors, but we've talked about that. That's why today's episode is for hopefully things we haven't discussed so much. I did it as a mailbag episode. Asked questions on, well, I didn't ask questions. You guys asked the questions on Twitter and Instagram through the prompt that I posted there. I used to do this if you're a longtime listener. Used to do it at the end of every podcast episode. Reason I do not is pretty much what I saw here. I I would say 50% of the questions are or were why Lakers bad that ass that was that was half the question so if I did a if I did a question prompt every week that would it would be like it used to basically you get the same questions but when you do it every once in a while it's not that bad I was able to sift through and get some good ones so uh if you participated in that appreciate you if you participate in listening to the podcast it is on apple Podcasts and spotify which on spotify it is super duper easy to rate now there is literally a little star button right by the podcast name so if you're listening to it on there right now all you have to do is press that button and then rate it i don't know why it wasn't always like that i never cared if anybody rated the show before because i didn't even know how to now it's it's a simple click of a button so if you care that is there all right, well, we're going to go ahead and jump into some of these questions. Also chose it for this week because, once again, half the league is out. More of the league is going out after Christmas Day with health and safety. So at this point, pretty much nothing makes me happy uh, with the NBA. But I guess we're just kind of weathering the storm now, right? Weathering the Omarion variant, which the first question from Brandon kind of has to do with that. He said, should there be cancellation of the league, push to all-star break, or even another Disney World arena for players? Sorry, that was from Frank. And there was another question that I put there from Brandon because it kind of related. He said, how do you think health and safety protocols will affect the playoffs? Well, to answer uh, Frank's question, no, no, and no. There will, unless people start turning into zombies and falling out in the street, there's not going to be another bubble. That was terrible for the league's money. It was terrible for the league, period. It was not, how do I put it? I can't say it wasn't great basketball when TJ Warren was was about to break Wilt's record and you had guys like shooting far better than they do on a regular course. I can't say it was, it was terrible basketball, but I've already went through how nobody cares about bubble highlights. You never see them circulating. Long story short, the NBA will not do another bubble unless they just don't have any other option. And guess what? Right now, they do have another option. Uh, Let seven or eight players go into health and safety and replace them with the G League guys. That's exactly what's happening. It's working out for some people. Hell, Alfonso McKinney just got an actual contract from the Bulls, which if you were listening 
to the pod maybe a month and a week ago that it, that finally paid off i spent like four or five minutes talking about alfonso in the g league i don't think anybody cares about that but hey look he's here now that's that's cool because he was hooping the boy was kd down there so that's cool but yeah no they simply have other options so there will be no bubble hell for that same reason there will be no cancellation we talked about that last week me and me and bucket patrol pretty much went through that whole thing um I guess you're asking me, should there be a cancellation? Kind of where I stand with it is, what would that do? On one hand, your natural knee-jerk reaction when you you wake up to 10 Shams notifications that every star player is out for the next 10 days, naturally you're like, oh, just pause the league. But when you really think about it, what would that do? Uh, Megatron is still going to be here next week and the week after that and the one after that. It's still It's still there. And the conditions that the players are playing in, you've got people in the crowd. Uh, that's another thing I think just hasn't even been addressed. Didn't Toronto go down to 50% capacity for the arenas? They're the only one that I saw did that. Um, but yeah, we still have crowded games. Players can pretty much still do most of what they want in most cities anyway. So I just like you could pause for two or three weeks and come back and have this exact same exact problem. You could weather it. So I would be for a pause if I thought it was really going to do anything. I guess I just I'm not really pushing it because I don't think that it will. Um, but yeah, I, I honestly, though, I don't want to see another bubble. I, <laughs> the bubble's like PTSD for me, man. I, I do not. That was when the world was we were trying to have some sense of normalcy, normalcy during a time where we had no clue what was going on. Just we, we don't got to relive that, man. We just just forward man what's what's andrew yang say the forward party that's 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 my philosophy for the nba right now um but how do i think health and safety protocols will affect the playoffs i'm hoping that because we're going through this just absolutely nuclear winter with this that um it's not whatever you get you get the point because we're we're going through this right now, I'm hoping that by the time April comes around, it's it's a really rare sighting. Because maybe I've just forgotten, but it doesn't seem like that had a huge effect on last year's playoffs. That effect on last year's playoffs was injuries, just random things happening, like to Kawhi Leonard and almost Giannis. Uh, so I don't sense that we'll still be dealing with that. What you will be dealing with is what we'll be talking about a little bit later. It's a guy like Kyrie being affected by the New York rules. Apparently he's going to be back, but the rule is still going to be in place, meaning he's not going to be able to play some playoff games. So you'll see effects there, but I'm, I'm hoping, who knows, maybe we'll even have a new super variant by then. Maybe Delta and Enamarion will have fused at that point to, to really go ahead and push this apocalypse forward. But if that don't happen, uh, uh, yeah, I, I would really hate for us to get to a game seven and be like, oh, yeah, KD's out for 10 days. I, I doubt that's where we're headed. But, you know, Dom curse and shit, right? Thank you all for those questions. Speaking of that, we got a question from King that is talking about the Nets. Said, if Harden continues to be off or on, should the Nets be considered a super team or just a very good team? This is something we talked about. We touched on it last week, me and Bucket Patrol. By the way, if you hadn't listened to last week's podcast, I, I did have a co-host for it. I don't do it every week. Don't ever plan on doing it every week, but I definitely will bring on some people at certain points. We did touch on it for like uh, for like 30 seconds. But he brought up a really good point. If Harden, if James Harden is your third best player, you're a super team. There's just really no way around it. Even if he's all, even if he's like in this tween stage right now where sometimes he has great games and other times you're just asking where is Houston Harden. Against the net, uh, sorry, against the Lakers, I think that's probably as good as he's looked all season. 
because that's uh well the lakers are not a good team right now so i guess it's kind of consistent with what i said a while back where it's this trend of Harden not having good games against good teams. However, it was an important game, though. Nets and Lakers still feel somewhat important. There's still LeBron there. And Harden looked good. His playmaking, if anything, really, well, he, he had great scoring, too. Like I said, 36 points. But the playmaking is what hasn't left despite everything that's happened this season. So he hasn't been as explosive the whole season as he was in that Lakers game, he hasn't been really just the same score. However, he can still cut a defense up with this passing. That's that was on top of the scoring what he did in the Lakers game. And so you imagine having Kyrie and Harden, sorry, Kyrie and KD out there with him, and you still have an elite playmaker. Even I, I give a damn if his sidesteps aren't falling or if he can't get into the lane the same always. He still is able to kill you in a pick and roll. He's still able to, to see the court very well. So, yeah, if your third best player is an elite playmaker as Harden, that can sometimes give you 20 or 30 points. And the other two guys are Kyrie and KD. Yeah, it's, it's a super team. But, ah, man, I really should just go ahead and combine that with the other Nets question that I cannot find with a quick scan right here. So we're talking about more about the Nets and their chances as we move on. But that'll that'll be that for now. Absolutely. Uh, from Knicks Forever, he asked, what teams need to make a deal at the deadline and for who? Well, not telling you any, uh, any news here that the Sixers need to hurry up and solve this Ben Simmons situation. Cause at this point, they're not really recovering from that first week that they had where they started off really good, even though they hadn't really played many good teams. Uh, they have not recovered from that they really look like they miss him specifically on the defensive end that is a part that i was wondering would they be able to just kind of cover for since the offense might flow a little bit better that has not happened to this point they need to resolve that and they need to resolve it this year they i get it and not letting the player win and he's got four years yada yada but at this point i would say he's not coming back to play basketball for your team so they need to make a deal sacramento kings need to make a deal man these sacramento kings need to make a deal in this there's that could end up being the one with ben simmons in it it could end up being the one with sabonis sacramento kings have got to make a deal they are i should have had my standings up i normally have my standings up and i don't right now but at the top of my head i think they're 13 and 21 and this group as i said weeks ago just does not i don't see a future with them together yep so they're 13 and 21 right now because the west is just a mess they are only two games out of the play and so they still might finesse that but uh yeah just how, how much longer do you really want to do it with this this general squad right here and uh how many more positions can you even draft it's not like they don't have decent guys together they're just not a great basketball team together um i've been very vocal about it that i think there's a point guard situation there where they just kind of need to choose regardless of which one they choose they just kind of need to choose because i think you've got like some people disagree and, and think Halliburton is is a better two but because uh, i heard one of the commentators say that i totally disagree i think it's a situation of him and fox uh both showing that they are better at the one and i just i don't know what the future is there unless you can make a trade for a guy like sabonis and simmons without getting rid of it without sending either one of them out which i just don't think that you can so i think the kings need to make a trade the lakers <laughs> i have no clue how they would make a trade they need to make a trade though they've got to make a trade specifically the the issue with them and i'm not sure if i put any lakers questions on here i might have put one because there was just so many lakers questions i'll talk about them every week i was like why but i'm at the point where i would say this team needs to make a deal 
it's not a hundred percent fair to just look at the squad and say, yeah, this they're never gonna be good together because we've barely ever seen them all play together. Um, right now, it's a big mix-up of having so many different lineups that the defensive communication often is just off. That's one thing you see quite often. I highlight it on Twitter. Sometimes the communication is literally just not there, and I think that's a product of of not playing together and kind of just not knowing the other guy's tendencies on defense or just not being on the same page. So that is part of it. But I also think you have to start to ask, hey, when is this team going to have everybody? Health and safety protocols aside, when is this team going to have everybody? Because that's what everyone was joking about at the beginning of the season was the retirement home, the injuries, the age. And it's clearly mattered. AD is not an age thing, but he's injury prone as always. So he's out. Uh, LeBron winces more than he ever has. He comes down, he'll roll his ankle. You'll wonder if he's going to get up. He still gets up nine times out of 10, but it used to be 10 times out of 10. And while Anthony Davis is out for this month, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a game that they that they play, a few games that they play when LeBron James is not there. Uh, there's that. There's uh, you know the fact that it took them this long to get a Trevor Ariza on the floor. You just start to wonder, is there ever going to be a time where this entire group is there? So I think that they need to make a deal the only question is i don't know what that deal is and even if it's maybe whoever becomes available on the buyout market um i think any deal that they make might have to end up being a three team unless they want to go really really big and and trade and trade a main player which even then i don't think that they that they can uh but there's pro <clears throat> excuse me there's probably got to be a lakers deal out there now this question was asked by Knicks forever it kind of feels like I don't know. It kind of feels like the Knicks may need a deal. It's uh, got to be a disappointing. It's got to be a disappointing season for the fans there. At this point, everyone's dealing with health and safety, but they were doing pretty mid before that. And they brought in a lot of pieces that by theory should have made them better. And they hadn't really gotten it to fit. It's hilarious to watch because by necessity, they've been playing Kimba and all of a sudden he's he's playing great in the four games since his return one of them he shot poorly in but he had a triple double and then <clears throat> the other three he played in he he had he looked like hornets kimba so it's uh you can't really deny him his spot it looks like he's gonna be back in the rotation regardless however i'm not sure if that's gonna move the needle in having that team reach its uh potential so if the knicks were in play for a deal at the deadline especially because randall has still not really picked it up had a good game christmas day but overall he's not picked it up back to his his previous level um you start to wonder do you you know try to try to get a guy sooner than later because you don't want it to become a thing where you get two or three seasons in and randall is still underperforming because remember at the beginning of the season i was thinking damn if this is really randall what if they get their hands on a damian lillard one day but randall apparently that wasn't really randall so i don't know um but yeah those are some teams that I definitely see uh, needing to make a deal. Hell, the, the Celtics need a deal. <laughs> they need one too. Um, but I think they're going to wait it out because the deal that they need to make is a, is a big one. And so maybe they're just going to play this season out first because everything is so just messed up right now. Maybe they'll just play this out and then go forward. Um, but yeah, they're, they're pretty much capped. Where this roster is, I think it's it's we've seen the best of it that we will see. Those are some of the teams off the top of my head. That'll probably be in the play for uh, some deadline deals. I think there's another question in here later about specifics. So I will save some of those names. Um, Evan asked. Did he ask both of these? Nope, looks like I forgot a name. He asked me finals predictions. 
And then I combined it because somebody else asked, do you think Kyrie joining the Nets will make them bigger favorites than a healthy Warriors team? Well, first of all, my finest prediction is actually I'm going to go with the Milwaukee Bucks and the Golden State Warriors. That's my finest prediction right now. Uh, I, I just think somebody I, I didn't include this question, but somebody did ask if we're sleeping on Giannis this year. I don't necessarily think so. I think it's more or less him just being as dominant as he always is. And the fact that the Bucks have had so many people in and out of the lineup that it's just like the rest of the NBA is kind of hard to get a rhythm and and staying in tune with these guys but when they are healthy they are as legit as you would imagine even demarcus cousins has been giving them solid minutes which is all he needs to do that's it he just needs to give them solid time on the court on both sides of the ball he's not shooting the three great but he's giving them solid minutes so for a, a signing that cost you nothing a pickup that really cost you nothing especially when you're already down brooke lopez i think that's uh i think that's a good thing and i i joined that with the Kyrie question because of course if you're talking about the finals Kyrie on the nets affects that however I don't think it'll make them bigger favorites than a healthy Warriors team that's full strength Warriors with Clay. don't think it makes them bigger favorites because of what we discussed last week and I kind of just questioned it because at the minute that we talked about it I was like oh damn you had Kyrie back to this we're right back at square one except we're really not with him in and out of the lineup that's gonna be a thing all season which is gonna have to be juggled then it's gonna happen in the playoffs too and that's I, I, I'm kind of having a hard time in my head putting together what a final series looks like or even a finals. I'm sorry, even a conference final series against a contender, what that looks like, where the Nets probably have home court and he misses the first two games. And then in a playoff series, where you're already trying to make adjustments. That's a chess match between coaches. Now you're throwing in a superstar point guard and having to, to iron out those rotations. So that just seems like it's a, a big it's going to be a big situation. Will it help to some games not have to have KD just be the best player in the NBA for you to win games? Yeah, but also you talk about why the Warriors are so much better than pretty much 99% of the league right now. It's because of that cohesion and chemistry that they have because everyone knows the system. Everyone knows their role. Everyone just knows. Literally, you watch Golden State. Everyone just knows they put teams to sleep by moving and moving. And, and running back and forth and moving until you fall asleep. And then so, and then all of a sudden, somebody's had a, a backdoor cut to the rim. And you're like, damn, how did that happen so easily? But it's because guys are just moving the entire play. That's kind of how the system works. And it, it works beautifully. They've got defenders. They are going to have plenty of scores. So in a vacuum, if you just had healthy nets, healthy warriors, and Kyrie didn't have to sit, I would, I, I always err on the side of the team that has three superstar level players, three superstar level scores, especially now that they, you've added Patty Mills and LaMarcus Aldridge is better than we could have imagined. Their defense is better. Yeah, I would still probably at that point say, well, that's just kind of hard for any, any regular, any team that's not a super team to deal with. But that Kyrie wrinkle in my head keeps the Warriors as the favorite. But if they pulled that off with a halftime Kyrie, then damn, that just... Hey man, they got us right. But because of that, I, I because of the Kyrie wrinkle, that's why I have the the Bucks going to the finals this year. Um, Kyrie misses first two games of that series. Bucks at full strength, Nets at full strength half of the time. I I would probably have to go Bucks, and I guess that is also dependent on what Harden looks like by that point because there is the slight detail that a healthy Harden would have 
very likely put them over the top without Kyrie Irving last year when the defense wasn't even as good. It got better during the playoffs, but that wasn't some notorious that, that was a notoriously notoriously bad defensive squad. Um but yeah, the, I mean, at this point, we're in December. We still don't necessarily have that version of Harden yet. So we'll kind of see. I'm, I'm going to stick with the Bucks prediction for now, though. I'm going to stick with the Bucks prediction. Um, they also won't have that chemistry problem. Still don't know with Brooke Lopez being out, but just the way things are shaping up. Again, a month ago, I was like, damn, that's that's crazy. But the way things are shaping up, everything is so all over the place that I, I, I just don't even know, really. Um, I think that'll still still matter in terms of them winning a championship getting out of the eastern conference though i i think that i don't know right now just where we sit right now and it's not like it's going to be easy the miami heat who we're going to talk about later uh give me give me a great reason to believe just put it that way um oh yeah this one was interesting alex posted the stan van gundy quote and said agree or disagree you didn't see the stan quote he said a player achieving a triple double does not mean he played well that game. It was weird because that came out uh, as Westbrook had a triple double. I'm pretty sure Westbrook had a triple double in the uh, Christmas game, right? Even though he, even though he shot poorly, I think it was some piss poor field goal percentage. But he had his triple double. So, but also Kimba shot badly as well that same day. <laughs> uh, had a triple double, but they won, so nobody cared. Yes, looking at. Russell Westbrook, he shot 4 of 20, but he did have 12, 11, and 13 when he was minus 23. Do I agree or disagree that you did not play well? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to, on one hand, score shooting and, and scoring is not the only thing that affects a game. I would say it totally depends. <laughs> That's a cop-out answer. I deserve to, I, I, I deserve to get booed for that. But yes, I, I, basketball requires nuance sometimes. You can have a triple-double and that not mean you played well. So I guess that I guess that means Stan's comment is just flat out true then. Yeah, cuz it is possible to it is possible to have a game where you didn't really play well but you still had you still had tennis cuz check it out, right? Tennis, first of all, there's almost no way to, there is a way, there is a bad way to have 10 assists. If you are hurting your team hunting for the assist, of course. And we've seen that before almost. I've seen, if you pass up a shot that's good for you, but you need that 10th assist, so you dump it down low or something like that for a harder shot. That, yeah, that's not a, it's not a great way to get the 10. So that can happen. Um, rebounds, I, we have seen plainly where rebounds can be inflated because yeah just do we really have to go through that whole thing again we've seen certain point guards be handed rebounds by their team by their center um and so it's like well how many contested rebounds did they have were they actually important rebounds if you just read the number then it says oh 10 11 12 rebounds you're like oh damn that's that's great for for this guy but were they really though did they really matter that much and did they outweigh the poor shooting game that they had so that's why I say, yeah, it could, it could go either way. You could have 10, 10, and 10. You could have a Draymond 10, 10, and 10 that completely changed the game. And then you can have a 10, 10, and 10 that was just rebounds that didn't really matter because your team just kind of cleared out for you. And assists that, a couple of assists that you hunted and then a, a, a 25% shooting night. And yeah, that's technically not a, that's really not that great of a game. So yeah, it's, it's just nuance. Sometimes it does 
sometimes you can have a triple double and you did not really play well but i would say most of the time though it, i lean on the side that if you had a triple double you probably did have a good game more often than not i will say that and it, i know when we talk about triple doubles it's mr triple double it's westbrook he comes up in that conversation i'm pretty sure his all-time record though of his team winning when he has those and he has those stats they're, they're pretty high at least before the lakers in most games that he had a triple double his team would win so it's i wouldn't use it as a slander point because i know that's probably what <laughs> i already know that stan van gundy graphic his quote was put on the graphic i already know that's about to get put in comment sections if a guy loses but he had a triple double he still could have had a good game even if they lose and he had a triple double he still could have had a good game with that triple double but that meme will absolutely be used and abused there so he's giving that to the universe now um but yeah, it, it totally depends. It totally depends. But I do agree with Stan. It doesn't all the time mean you had a great game. But I would still say I don't know if it was worth really saying because I would I would venture out to I would venture out to say most of the times you probably did have a good game. Because if you were assist hunting, how many assists, how many assists out of those 10 could you really have been hunting? Think about it. You got 10. You probably sometimes we see a situation where a guy hunted two, maybe. How many times have we seen teams lose a game because a guy was was trying really hard to get 10 assists I, I i feel like that's not that frequent but uh yeah it was stan comment was funny because I, I i wonder which guy it was aimed at kemp for kimba he was all smiles he's the first new york nick to have a triple double on christmas day this comes off the heels of him being benched um which now look he <laughs> Because Kimba Walker is such a good guy, I don't think there's any awkwardness between he and coach. But if that was anybody else, if it was a player with some big ego, man, that would be some awkward interactions between said player and, and coach Tibbs. Because to bench a guy who comes out and now is basically the one you lean on with everyone else gone and he's playing really well, it's it just starts to... It can look a little bit like incompetence, like, damn, this is the guy you said doesn't belong in the rotation at all. You couldn't even give him a six man spot. You go back. I remember with the that's what surprised me. Go back two or three weeks when they did it. And that's what surprised me. I thought that they were going to change point guards. I saw him as maybe a six man, especially because of health. I saw him as maybe six man. But out of rotation is not what I saw happening there in favor of at the time point guard Alec Burks. They didn't really stick with that full time like I kind of assumed they wouldn't. But uh just fully out of rotation i i, I thought was that that's that caught me by surprise so yeah it's a good thing you had it was with kimba who likes to smile a lot and not with another guy who who like eventually put you on blast he just played along he was a true professional with it man he played along uh he said all the right things to the media he set an example and the knicks it's not like it, because a lot of the guys are out it's not like they're winning every game but i'm glad to see him doing well glad to see kimba doing well Jack asked, <laughs> Jack asked, do you think players should be allowed to taunt other players and celebrate? If so, to what degree? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I need. That just reminded me. I need uh, Cole Anthony on my soundboard. I absolutely need that for when I return to, to streaming. Um, Yeah, to a certain degree. I mean, I don't want to see every game turn into a fight, even though those are entertaining. I don't want to. I don't. We don't need. We don't need every game turning into some all-out fight, but um, yeah, why not? It's part of the game. You play on the playground. Uh, the, the way guys grew up playing the, playing basketball before the NBA, all of that shit flew. I even like. I, I hate that refs have been so quick to shut down trash talk through this era. 
Because you'll notice that as soon as the guys start chirping, ref shut that down real quick. You hear you see a couple guys stand around for like five seconds or so talking. Ref shut that down real fast. They're like, nah, it's, it's gonna be no malice. It will be no malice at the palace on my watch. Nobody wants to be the next ref that allowed that to happen. <laughs> so they shut all that down fast. But yeah, why shouldn't you be able to taunt other players and celebrate to a degree? Yes, to to what if you ask him to what degree? To a degree that it makes sense. You don't need to like like what Jordan uh, Jordan Aura did the other day against the Rockets. I believe he crossed. <clears throat> I believe he crossed Armani Brooks. And he he did like a stumble, a legitimate 2K animation stumble. And as Wara made the shot and was backpedaling, he did the same. He did the same thing. He he like mocked the uh, the fall. And I was like, that's funny. I, I like that type of stuff. I, th- I think it's funny. Some people think it's a dick thing. Um, but I also don't believe everyone who just says, oh, <coughs> excuse me. I'm having another tough day here. I don't believe everyone that's just like, oh, I love Kawhi Leonard. He just shows up and plays basketball and doesn't show any emotion. I love it. It's cool. I love Kawhi Leonard, too, but I don't need every I don't need every player to be the same way Kawhi Leonard is. That's cool. He's an anomaly. He's a superstar player who was at times had arguments to be the best player in the NBA and showed absolutely none of the swagger with it. Yeah, that's cool. That's different. I think that's cool for one guy. That's that's the anomaly. We don't need everyone to just have straight faces out here. Um, so yeah, long long story long story short, I agree with that. And because also you just gotta if you gotta if you dish it, you just gotta be able to take it. A couple of plays later, I don't, I don't know if it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it happened after Jordan Aurora got smashed on by Christian Wood, and um, yeah, you just gotta be able to, if he got, if he would have got a taunted back, you just gotta just gotta be able to take it. But that's why refs be shutting that stuff down though, because then it'll become a big taunting match, and all of a sudden somebody. A fist is flying and there's issues. So, yeah, just to a certain degree. Just don't overdo it, you know. <laughs> just don't overdo it or else, next you know, a beer ball is flying at your head. And we don't need that. I should have included Dante's question earlier with the uh, trades. Because he asked, is it time for Lakers to trade Russ? Now, again, when I say I did this question thing and said I wanted people to ask questions for the podcast, this was 99% of the questions. Are the Lakers done? What can turn the Lakers seem around? That are like literally questions that I've I've answered and talked about almost every week on the podcast in some way, shape, or form. And the Westbrook one was a big one. The Westbrook the Lakers can't trade Russ. As far as I know, where are they gonna send them? Where are they gonna send them? He has a $47 million player option on his contract next this next season. Coming up next season. Go look on basketball reference. That 47 million is in green, which means he can decide to take it or not to take it. He's going to take it. Anybody would take that. So the team that prospectively trades or potentially trades for us not only has to deal with his contract now, they have to deal with him staying there next year for that large lump sum of money. And I can't think of one team in the NBA right now that really need, and he's a good he's been playing well lately. But as far as just like when you talk about fit, where does what team out there does he fit with that's going to push them over the top or, or level them up? I don't see a fit with any of those teams where it would help both squads. So Kendrick Perkins put this in everyone's ear saying that they need to move on from him, even though he's not been the problem as of late. I think it's just because of saying that the Lakers need to trade Russ is not, in my opinion, saying that he's the problem. I think it's just saying it doesn't fit at a championship level, which we kind of figure that it it wouldn't. Um, I think that's more of where people are going. Or, well, I don't know 
most people it's it might be out of hate for a lot of people but i i, th I don't think it always has to be viewed as it's out of hate but yeah i just don't know where you would send this guy if the lakers are gonna make a trade that's what we were talking about earlier i think any trade for anything that helps them is gonna be a three-team deal and even then <laughs> who do you send where on that roster it's it gets really complicated they're in a they're in a they're in a tough spot not louisiana la which is not really a tough spot they're just in a tough spot um so but if you're just asking me in a vacuum is it time for the lakers to trade russ in a vacuum if you were saying oh we have to win a championship this year or we have to in a in a vacuum where it was even possible to get something of value back yeah if you could if you could get a better fit next to lebron if you could get a, a point guard that could provide uh, better ball movement for the team while providing better defense. Yeah, if you could also because you are thinking about next year being LeBron's last contracted year for the Lakers, where he very well might move on to wherever his son goes or wherever he just wants to wherever he just wants to be to finish his career. Yeah, you want to get the most out of that. And it's hard to imagine where a championship is coming out of this. So in a vacuum, yeah, but I also just don't even know why it's it's worth it as a topic in in the year 2021 going on 2022 because i just don't feel like it can happen so that's how i would answer the kendrick perkins rust trade thing if they pull off some trade that makes some team better i'll just say hey well they did it uh rob Lowe up there is a is a mastermind apparently after all but for now oh no how far can the hornets go in the postseason if they made a move for miles turner this question was from Mello. Huh. Wow, really? <laughs> um, first of all, that one made me curious because we know that Charlotte, to go to that next level, amongst other things, it will have to be getting a different center than Mason Plumley. But I started looking up some trades and I didn't see anything that made sense on how the Hornets get Miles Turner. One trade I saw off the top of my head said PJ Washington, Mason Plumley, cap filler, uh, a future first round pick. And then I think it said they would still need about 200K in salary. So that would involve them maybe moving a Nick Richards. Okay, I don't think the Pacers are taking draft pick money in PJ and Mason Plumley from Miles Turner. I think they could probably do better than that. And that was one of the only actual deals I saw. I saw. Everything else I saw out there was just, oh, hey, the Hornets should get him have no clue how that happens without very important pieces leaving so obviously Lamelo is untouchable um, but if you talk about getting a miles turner on that team that's going to cost you that's going to cost you something or somebody that's important to the squad right now it's not just going to happen in a vacuum you're going <clears> to <throat> probably be looking at a, a rosier moving uh hell maybe a, a hayward you're going to be looking at one of their important guys moving Melo, untouchable miles bridges in my opinion um Sorry, Mikhail Bridges, Miles Bridges. Mikhail. I just really messed that up. That's how you know it's early in the morning. It is early in the morning because I get Mikhail Bridges is the one with the long arms that plays for the Suns. Miles Bridges is the ones that plays for the Hornets. There we go. That's that's how it's early in the morning, y'all. <laughs> I know my Bridges. Um, yeah, Bridges is untouchable. You, you ain't trading that. So you dig in and put a package together for him and lose some important scoring and turn in in exchange for uh, a rim protector and a stretch big hey they did that i can't tell you how far they would go in the east because it depends on what they're missing in place of it even then let's say they just lost an, an important score for that for something that they needed that's how a trade works 
even then though how far do you go in the eastern conference it I, it would certainly probably set them up better for the future but uh they're not beating any of the top four seeds in a playoff series even with that still wouldn't have the beat in chicago definitely not the bucks or the heat um so yeah i still think they would be a first round i still think they would be getting first rounded i think after the offseason they were able to build around that a little bit more have some of the guys improve maybe then you're looking at the hornets as, as a top four seed in the next year something like that happened this year i still don't think it's going to move the needle for them in the playoffs i think it's kind of think it's kind of top heavy out here but let's uh Let's see if they could work some magic. If the Hornets could work some magic and get Turner on that roster, I'd be very interested to see how they did it. And then, yeah, that would cover some pretty good bases for them. Just because even healthy right now, the Hornets are still... If you if you have the team that they have right now, you, you do kind of ask, well, what's the ceiling for this team specifically? What is the ceiling for Melo, Bridges, and a Hayward, Rozier... Um, or Washington, how good is that team actually going to get? So then maybe that's how you do justify doing a trade like that that can move you in that right direction eventually. Because it might be a situation where, hey, we're good, but how do we go from good to, to great? And does this roster ever go from good to great? That remains to be seen. Um, but <laughs> take out Miles Turner, I, I would cry because I definitely wanted him on the, the Celtics at a, at a certain point. Might just have to switch allegiances. <sighs> Do you think the Nets can win it without Kyrie from Hussam? No. You already know that. that. That's the question that I should have joined with the one from earlier. No, without Kyrie Irving, they cannot win it all. They absolutely cannot win it all. Um, it would be hard for them to get out of the East, like I said, without him, I think. Um, going, it, Let's say best case scenario, they just absolutely turned it on and, and blasted and went, got out of the East and had to deal with the Warriors. Still, no. You're not going to beat the Warriors. KD's not going to carry this specific squad past the Warriors. Um, hell, I don't think he would carry them past the Suns either. So, no. They, they've they done better without him than I thought that they could. Still want to see them go against harder teams. But no. Yeah, I, I pretty much kind of talked about that earlier. I should have just joined it. That was pretty much my bad. OD asks, Do you think depth is overrated in today's NBA? No, and that's where I talk about the Miami Heat. Uh, first of all, depth is definitely not overrated. I, I'm not sure exactly what the basis of this question comes from, if there was a conversation about it. I know in the playoffs, yes, you go with a shorter rotation, but getting to the playoffs has a lot to do with depth. Getting to the, getting a top seed. And the Miami Heat really show you how that works in a season like this where your depth is challenged kyle lowry's now out by the way with health and safety at this point just assume every player you've ever heard of is eventually either they have been out or they will be out with it um but the miami heat are still top four they have not had the slide that i thought they were going to have now without kyle lowry it's kind of hard to imagine it's not going to happen but they have still just found guys to get it done through bam out of bio's absence jimmy butler disappeared for a good while he came back ain't that some shit they just got butler back in and kyle lowry went out that's that's hey he, he'll probably be out health and safety sooner or later but they're two and a half games out of first and they just found guys man gabe vincent came out and, and blasted the sixers and, and magic last week and he's shown his development is is great as an actual legitimate rotation piece for the heat he has shown legitimate purpose and use for this squad <clears throat> max Struess came out that's a guy you didn't really hear much of before he came out and he's been shooting well 
And hell, even Dwayne Deadman has has held the fort without Bam Adebayo, which is all you really need is for guys that are filling in to hold serve, and they've done that. Uh, and these are these are not guys that they went and signed off the street. These are guys that were already there. So death is absolutely not overrated. That that's been the most important factor of this season. Even in a season where guys are, are not getting clipped by Omicron, that's still important. That is still important in, in helping you, giving you rotation options throughout the season and figuring out what your best combinations are for the playoffs. You don't want to be in a situation where you're just forced to to eight guys and that that thing that people say next man up. Normally they say that when it's when you hear next man up, that means damn, bro. I don't know. Like <laughs> we lost this guy, this guy, and this guy. We're just doing the best we can. That's what next man up means. Um, but when you have legitimate pieces that you just plug in, that's why I'm looking at the Miami Heat right now and saying, hey, they might now because Kyle Lowry is out, maybe they'll take a slide. I'm not sure how much Jimmy Butler is going to be able to carry. I'm not really sure what their schedule is looking like. But if we do get to my version of the playoffs in April, where health and safety is not really that much of a thing, all of a sudden you're looking at the Heat and going, hey, they found legitimate ways to win without these guys that they now have. Now in the playoffs, you can have Max Struess play a very uh, small and specific role and come in and actually produce in that. So now it might not matter as much if, if Duncan Robinson can't hit the, can't even hit the side of the backboard, um, which I'm not actually sure. I know he started off this season not playing great. That was a big story with him. But you haven't heard much of about it. You haven't heard much about it since they've been winning. If they've been losing, you'd hear a lot more about it. And winning, um, some people, everyone just pretty much forgot about it. And yeah, shit. When Kyle Lowry goes out, now you you've got legitimate backup behind him. Um, yeah, depth is has been huge for the Miami Heat, and that will always be a big. That'll always be a big thing. That goes back to the beginning of time. That was one of the reasons I was so big on the 2010 Celtics, the year that they went to the finals. And no one would believe in them, but I was always saying, bro, do you see our bench? And then that happened in the playoffs thing. Nate Robinson and Glenn Davis came in and won a finals game or pushed us over the top in a finals game against the Lakers. Yeah, depth is not overrated in my opinion, but I like to hear other opinions on it because I'm just not really sure where the, the sentiment comes from. Um, Holo asked, if there could be only one trade slash signing slash buyout, for the rest of the season what would you want it to be well first of all i don't roll with la so saying that i would love to see miles turner there is a complete lie but i'd be fascinated by if there was any way possible that could happen which i don't think that there is so it doesn't really uh make sense to discuss but if there was seeing them have a legitimate rim protector uh, behind Anthony Davis and somebody that can stretch the floor so that maybe all of a sudden you don't have to make so much of the 80 at five situation. I just I just would be fascinated by that. Is all I want to say. And then also, once again, having the stretch five out there, being able to play double big lineups and not crowd the space for L.A. would legitimately turn everything around for them as long as they could all stay on the floor together. But if there were any magic that could make that happen, that is one um, but I would still say there was like one trade and signing. I, I really want to see Ben Simmons end up on a team, maybe like the Kings and see him do something different than play point guard. That's the biggest thing for me, because I'm I'm curious about his excuse me. I'm curious about his ability when he's not forced to, to handle the ball at the top and be an obvious negative offensively for a team in the playoffs. 
if you were, you know, if you got there and then either Fox or Halliburton is a point guard and you let him play a different role and his defensive versatility shines through on a team. And then on offense, you see him used in different ways, which is, you know, could never really happen on the 76ers. I think that would be something that I'd be really fascinated to see. This is probably the part where you would expect me to say I, I'd want one really good signing or something for the Celtics. But once again, I just don't see anything pushing them over the top from where they are now to a championship level squad. So because of that, I'm just like, whatever, just let the season play out and, and figure it out later. Maybe give Jason Tatum some more playmaking reps. One day I would like to see whenever the Celtics do decide to make a big move. I hope it's for a point guard so that we can just let Tatum be Tatum and not have to worry about him um, leveling up as a playmaker all the way because right now the way the roster is built if this is the way they're going i think that that's kind of what needs to happen and we still he still has that I, i'm gonna shoot this bitch tendency that's that's what it is with him and he's playing next to another guy who's become a great pull-up shooter um just been a very nice development this year but yeah so one day i would like to see the celtics have a have a very have a top tier point guard and it's probably only way, only one way that's gonna happen to What's more of a disappointment? The Nets versus Lakers so-called rivalry or the Battle of LA? That one came from Escape. <laughs> Escape from LA. Shout out weekend. Um yeah, no, uh Nets and Lakers has been more of a disappointment. Battle of LA, at least we got some decent regular season games out of it. Some halfway decent regular season games. And even though they never really got to play throughout the season, we got to build up to it. Nets and Lakers we haven't even ever gotten to build up. I've had no hope in it. Um I think when KD went to the Nets, that was automatic assumption was one day, oh, we're going to get Kyrie and KD versus LeBron and AD. That was always the assumption. But to this point, have we ever seen that matchup happen healthy? Uh, even last year, I remember they played when we were doing crowdless basketball. And I remember somebody was missing from that game. And then preseason happened this year. Nobody played. And that's where I said, OK, this matchup's not happening one way or the damn other this year. It's just too good to be true. So. Yeah, the Nets and Lakers has just never materialized at all. Battle of LA has been a disappointment, but at least we've seen something from it. We've had opening day games. We had one in the bubble that was really good where that meme with LeBron guarding Kawhi came from. Uh, we had the one right before the NBA stoppage. <laughs> it was just all too good to be true, man. It was just all good to be true. Remember March of last year and uh, LeBron had that great game against the Clippers? And I was like, damn, like, I think that was the first time they had beat them that season. I'm pretty sure. And the Lakers were heating up and we were like, oh, this is getting spicy. And boom, league disappeared. That's just, hey, man, if it sounds too good to be true, it is. Both of these sounded too good to be true. They have been so far. And we'll only get one more shot at the Battle of LA next year. And by that point, the excitement of that depends on is LeBron the same? Is Kawhi the same? At this point, it'll depend on if AD is even the same. AD is even the same, because I don't know. Um, Greg asks, are you taking this Cavaliers resurgence seriously? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I talk about them pretty much. They get a mention on at least every other podcast. Yeah, no, they're uh, they're not just a fluke team, which, by the way, I saw somebody in one of the threads, one of my Twitter threads arguing about the Cavaliers who clearly just really hadn't watched them which like I said I, I said last week or two weeks ago I said hey it is fine if you don't watch certain teams or watch certain games just don't go making bad faith arguments about them then that's all you have to do because everyone can't catch every team the Cavaliers though legit 
Jared Allen on my all-star ballot. Evan Mobley at this stage where, in my opinion, he's still a raw talent. Uh, He's going to be battling for rookie of the year. Darius Garland did exactly what I hoped in Colin Sexton's absence. He's used those touches to level up. Um, I, I have to go through and do a specific ballot, but I'm wondering, is he going to be, is he going to be there? And they've made the, the big, the tall ball lineup work, which is why I don't understand any Cavaliers Ben Simmons trade talk that I would not do. So the Cavaliers, I, I am taking the resurgence seriously. And the Ben Simmons trade talk is something that comes up with the, the Cavaliers name involved. I'm not, I've. I don't know. First of all, what would you have to trade at that point? Again, the way Daryl Morey is moving, that would cost you something big to get Ben Simmons on the squad. That would cost you. You're not going to get away with just sending them Sexton and something. They're going to want, dare I say, Darius, I say. No, fuck, that was terrible. Goddamn. Yeah, that didn't come out how, how I had it in my head at all. Um. Yeah, that was terrible. Anyways. No, they, um. I just don't know where he would fit. They've made a tall ball lineup work with what they have and guys who can mostly still shoot the ball, at least from a, at least from a couple of feet out. And so <clears throat> I wouldn't want to see them ruin it with just trying to get a name and trying to move it forward. I kind of just want to see them build with what they have and see where they can get in this year's playoffs. Still, even though this is just kind of what we were talking about with the Hornets, if they were to make a trade, Cavaliers are fifth right now. They are missing guys, so... Even though, damn, last night they put 144 on the Raptors' heads. With them being where they are, they're still going to end up having to play. Like, say they finish fifth, they're going to get Miami or they're going to probably get the Bulls. They're going to get one of these top four teams and they're not going to beat them in a series. So they'll be annoying, though. They'll be an annoying first-round team to play, but I don't think they'll get them in a series. But yeah, I, I am, long story short, taking the resurgence seriously. Specifically because it's the thing where it mostly hinges on Evan Mobley for me. No, well, Evan Mobley and Darius Garland, but specifically Mobley because he's already as good as he is and he's going to get better. His footwork is going to get better. He's going to move better. I'm assuming the natural evolution for him one day is to start taking a couple of more threes. That's going to stretch the floor even more. It's going to make those high lows even better between him and Jared Allen. Um, yeah, that's just they don't need to do anything drastic, but let that let that core develop. And then you're already not. It's not like you're in a rush, because if you're in Cleveland, what do you ever get? without lebron james let's just be real whole time lebron has been gone and anytime lebron has been gone there's nothing ever happening with the cavaliers when he left the first time it was just kind of a random assortment of of guys moving around until lebron came back this is the first time where since he's been in the league this is the first time they haven't had him and it's like hey i could see a future here so yeah i am taking the resurgence seriously and just just let it happen man just let it happen uh sully asked who benefits most from trading for jalen brown i thought about this one maybe there's a better answer out there but i think it's the philadelphia 76ers i think if the i i haven't heard much since that one week that the ben simmons trade talks happened with boston i hadn't heard much since then so it doesn't seem like there was any traction with it but if the 76 was able to get their hands on a guy who's as we said earlier has become a great pull-up shooter and it's also going to uh, juice your defense as well. And you put that next to Joel Embiid and all of a sudden you don't have to just have him do damn near everything and everything doesn't have to start with him. Oh, gosh, that would be huge for them. If I was uh, if I was the Sixers, I'd be definitely trying to get the Celtics inter as interested in that as possible. Because obviously, if you, if you were to bring Simmons back, sure, you juice the defense, but you have your obvious offensive problem. This 
almost entirely fixes that. And so I'm imagining a, a playoffs, a, a Sixers playoff team where, uh, let's see, Simmons has gone to Boston. I'm not sure what else, but you've probably maintained some shooters still. So you got some shooting on the team. Got Jalen Brown. And yeah, that, that's that's where I would go with that. I'm not even sure where else. I know I know I see Mavs fans interested in Jalen Brown quite a bit. Obviously, they would benefit from having a, a second creator next to Luca, especially because Luca can handle so a lot of the uh, playmaking duties as well. That takes a lot of pressure off him, which they are eventually going to need. I didn't take this question, but somebody had asked what kind of what moves the needle for the Mavericks and getting them to be legitimate one day. And it's it's got to be taking uh, as much pressure as possible off Luca because Porzingis this season kind of seems like he's hit or miss. It just feels like it's kind of always going to be that way for him. And Jalen Bronson is having a good year, too. Um, I th- think some people argue that's their second best player at the moment. But you talk about second best player, and I, I love Jalen Bronson. I would take him on Boston in a heartbeat. But you're going to want a second all-star slash superstar next to him who can just, just go get theirs. Because uh, Luka does a lot, and this season he's not necessarily in shape. So, Yeah. I don't think it's going to happen. I'm just mentioning that just because I know Dallas fans are all over my threads with Jalen Brown trade talks. But Philadelphia, Philadelphia, you should want Jalen Brown. But I don't think you're going to get him, though. Jacob asked, what G League player do you want to see make an impact? I felt like it was a perfect time for this question. Seeing that <laughs> the way it's happening, half the league, pretty much all the league has at least one G League guy now, right? I think it started that way, but especially right now. Um, Well, there was Isaiah Thomas, by the way, who did not get a second stint with the Los Angeles Lakers because he didn't fit the team. In the words of Bucket Patrol last week, who has ever looked at the Lakers and said, we needed another scoring guard with no defense? Apparently, the Lakers agreed. He came in, he had two or three good games, and he had two bad ones, and that was it. He was out. But also, just defensively, that, that wasn't feasible at all. There was one play, and he he actually, the funny part was he was not, I don't know if he was as terrible at defense as we would have imagined. I don't think, I don't even know if he was that damn bad, but it's hard to get past the plays where you see maybe at the end of the Spurs game where Derek White simply walked through him like he wasn't there. And so you start to imagine, well, what's the playoff applicability of an Isaiah Thomas at this stage in his career for this specific team? And when you, and Derek White is having a pretty decent year too. I, I, I like Derek White. Um, but he absolutely just bulldozed him, as you would imagine. And all of a sudden, a guy like that becomes a target when he's out there for the playoffs. So I'm not 100% sure if IT will be having an impact for a playoff team. Uh, he's still going to get interest, though. He is going to get interest. He showed in the first couple of games he can still score, given the right role. LA's trying to figure a lot of things out right now, so it might not have been a great opportunity for him. I would still like to see him on a squad that isn't tumbling right now. And he'll get some interest. I don't think he's going to be out for long. And if he is, he just needs to go back to the G League and keep playing for a little bit. Um, he played one G League game. He killed. He doesn't really believe. He, do, he doesn't belong there, Chief. He scored 40 in his first game. He, do, he does not belong in the G. At this point, it's just a matter of teams you know, trying him out and seeing if he can help that specific squad. It's I can, get, I can honestly get why he doesn't really want to play there or why he took so long to do it in the first place. Um, but yeah, I'd like to see IT get an impact somewhere. Uh... I almost like I say Mac McClung just because we know who he is and just because he's uh just because he was a he's a fun he, he's a fun 2k meme for us for a while 
I'm not really sure. I, I know if I can recall correctly, he got picked up by the Bulls. Hell, Lonzo Ball is out, by the way. Health and safety. So maybe you are going to get some Mac McClung minutes. I'm just trying to take a look. Yeah, they played the Pacers last night. Hadn't yet done my full rewatch. Uh, yeah, no, he didn't even get any minutes. <laughs> he did not get any minutes. Uh, the Sumu was back. Um, Kobe White got the point guard duties. So yeah, he probably won't get much run, but he was killing it in the G League in a, in a multitude of ways. Um, so just because of that, just because he's a guy I was watching down there, just because of the meme, I'd like to see him have uh, some sort of impact on the squad. But it's it's hard right now, right? It, it G League guys coming into the league under these circumstances is difficult just because they're getting passed around like blunts, basically. The 10 day here uh, didn't work out for the squad or they barely played because they were really just there for roster requirements anyways. So they're off that squad and now 10 days, excuse me, 10 days here and maybe the same thing. It's kind of hard right now. They're literally just getting bounced around so teams can have enough active players for games and they might get two or three minutes in an NBA game. So under these circumstances, it's not a squad really saying, hey, I like this guy. We want him. So we're going to give him a shot. It's really we have to give him a shot. So we do. So under these circumstances, I'm not sure how many of these guys are really going to get impact minutes. I'm, I'm happy, like I mentioned at the beginning, happy for Alfonso McKinney, but also he, he's been around too. He's been around. So I'm not really sure uh, you're going to get some major success story out of it. But it, it is good. I, I agree with one tweet I saw. A lot of these guys' stories are getting kind of um, overlooked at the expense of jokes just because everything right now is, oh, who is that? Who is this guy? Who is this guy? And I can't even really participate in them anymore because like, I know who they are. <laughs> I know who they are and I've seen them play and I've had to steady their games a bit. So seeing these guys in the league is just kind of, oh, yeah, I was watching him last week. I, I can't have that fun anymore. Um, but as far as national media, it just be like, like who, where, what and why with a lot of these people. But um, hopefully they get opportunities outside of COVID. Because that's when you can really make an impact. It's when a team has brought you up because they thought you, they could actually help. You could actually help them. That's what I would say with that. For my last questions, Jay asked, "Do you see nine or ten seeded teams beating a first seed? If not, I, I don't think I wrote the full question down. He asked me if I if I saw ninth or ten seeded teams beating a first seed because if not, the play in seems kind of wasteful." No, absolutely not. I I don't ever. I don't even know when that's ever gonna happen. You have, you have to beat a team four times in a series so even this year right where you can stretch it and say okay los angeles has and the lakers they have the hardest remaining schedule in the nba they have not been able to keep a stable roster on the floor the entire season one of the best players is out at this point you might imagine it might just continue to be that way maybe they end up a ninth to tenth seed because of that and and sneak into the playoffs that's a that's a realistic thing they're only a game out of 10th right now so maybe they become a ninth to 10 seed and still make the playoffs uh, by winning the play in. Even then, that's like your absolute best shot for a ninth to 10 seed to ever be the first seed and fully healthy. There's no way in the hell that's happening. Um, they, they're not beating Phoenix or Golden State unless something just flips on its head. It, and it would most likely have to be Phoenix just completely choking, which I don't I don't look at them as a team that's that's prone to that. I don't think they're as good as Golden State, but no. And then after. So if it's not the Lakers. And that's just this year. That's just this year where a lot of things are happening because of COVID. In a regular year, you won't even really probably have teams that have players like that in the ninth or tenth squad or ninth or tenth slot. So when would they ever be to be beating a first seed team? Hell, even Atlanta. 
Uh, right now, they're 10th. They were almost in the finals last year. Uh, if they stay in 9th or 10th, are they beating Brooklyn? Are they beating Atlanta? I mean, they're beating Chicago. I, I don't think so. It might be fun, but I don't, I don't think so. So you might be able to see some matchups where a team slid down that far because of extenuating circumstances, and then they end up beating a first seed, but naturally no. But to the qu question of is the play in a waste because of that? Nah, I still think it's fun. That's the whole thing, right? So the NBA as a product. It's making it uh, a fun and an interesting new thing that I think a lot of people love. LA and Golden State was a lot of fun last year, even though we pretty much knew Golden State at that level probably wasn't beating any top teams. Um, yeah, it's just it's just fun. It's it's just for fun. I maybe practically, if you're looking for some type of result, maybe it's a waste. But I see it as just for fun, so I don't think it's a waste. Christmas Day was not a waste. Uh, now that we're at the end of the questions, just wanted to chat a little bit about Golden State and Phoenix. Man, Golden State is about to air the West the fuck out if they are healthy. Just so Golden State and Phoenix have played three games. None of them have been at full strength. This third one. So you, you can look at it and say, hey, the Suns beat them the first time with Devin Booker barely playing. That's cool, but also Warriors didn't have Klay Thompson either. But yeah, I did think that that was a that was a good win on Phoenix. But I think this is an even better win. The Golden State win with no Jordan Poole, no Wiggins, so they didn't have their two or three. And then you also don't have Klay, and then you also don't have Iggy out there adding to the playmaking of the squad. And they still won. They still won. Uh, Curry did not have a terrible night. He wasn't in prison. Otto Porter came in and finished it off. That's the game, and they were all moving so well. The system was still working without so many of the guys on the floor. That's why I looked at it and said, okay, they get everyone out here. First of all, the West is dog water right now. Which, by the way, I've seen some people refute. They're like, oh, no, it's, it's just top-heavy. The, the top teams in the West are still better than the top teams in the East. Well, first, look, Golden State and Phoenix, you can, yeah, I, I have some arguments there. After that, you get Jazz, Memphis, Clippers without Paul, or Clippers without Kawhi, Nuggets without anybody besides Aaron Gordon and, and Jokic. You got Will Barton, too. No Will Barton slander. Um, in the East, I think you have four teams that I could potentially see in the NBA Finals. In the West, I would say two and a half. I don't... Outside of Golden State and Phoenix, maybe Utah, and then that's it. None of these other teams. These are There's not another Finals-level team here. Uh, I, I think Miami, Milwaukee, Healthy Nets, and Healthy Bulls are all potentially in the finals and so maybe three and a half because i'm not sure if chicago still um would be able to make that run this soon but um anyways just so that was just an aside about the western conference i absolutely think the east is better right now uh yeah no phoenix is just gonna have a hell of a time beating that team man anybody's gonna have a hell of a time beating that team but yeah the fact that they draymond green was able to just cut them up with, with simple passing, just passing and cutting. And the fact that it's going to get way harder to guard them in another month. I just don't know, bro. I just don't know. This is another unfortunate chapter in Chris Paul's career. If Phoenix pulls that off, I would not blame Chris Paul for going to center court and, and crying. Like when LeBron beat the Celtics the, the first time when he was at Miami Heat. If Chris Paul does that, which he won't because he's been to the finals now, so the job wouldn't be finished. But if they got past Golden State, he, he has full... He has full reign to go to center court and, and pound his fist on the ground and, and cry because that would be that's going to be a difficult one. Um, Yeah, that's basically what I have to say about that. We've seen Golden State and Phoenix three times now. 
None have been fully healthy. Hopefully, I'm not sure if we even have another matchup between them. If we do, I hope it's healthy. I hope y'all had a safe and happy holidays or continue to because now it's going to be <clears throat> New Year's in a couple of days here. This is the last podcast of the year. So I appreciate y'all for having shown support for it. Um, and just, uh, you know, just in general this year, it's been fun. Went a lot of places, did a lot of things for the first time. Uh, the, uh, the, the potential super variant is obviously jeopardizing that next year. Cause I all of a sudden got a taste for traveling, but <laughs> so does COVID. So who knows, but either way, appreciate y'all this year. Appreciate your support on the pod and any other of my content that you choose to engage with. If you do choose to engage it, there's no reason not to rate things. It's very easy on Spotify or to hit the like button here. Comment and subscribe and hit the bell next to my name if you want notifications every time one of these drop. And I will see y'all in 2022.